Hello and welcome back, my spooky friends. I've got another exciting episode of listener stories jam-packed to send chills down your spine. So without further ado, I will get started with the first one. We called this one In My Home. It's a submitted story. I was working third shift at the jail and would normally sleep from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. One Saturday, I came home as normal. I came home and went straight to bed. My fiance was in the living room when I woke up and asked me if I had slept well that day. I told him I actually felt as though I slept exceptionally well that day. The first time in a long time, I felt well rested. He proceeded to tell me that he had checked on me while I slept, which is creepy, and that I was sleeping above the covers. No big deal. I must have gotten warm and kicked the covers off. But he told me, no, no. I was two feet above the covers. And when he told whatever had me to put me down, that I slowly lowered back onto the bed. At this time, I was thinking he must be seeing things, or maybe he was drunk. He then told me, as he was watching TV in the recliner, he heard something in the hallway behind him. He turned to see what was there, and it was a man with the body of a bull. I know it sounds crazy, but I actually saw this being years later in my dreams, where he attempted to kiss me. He appeared to be a normal man until he walked away, and I heard the clip-clopping of his feet on the hardwood floor. I still live in this home. I've given this being a name, but he has learned to leave me alone. After I told him out loud, I would send him to the furthest depths of hell if he disrespected me again. His face remains etched in my mind, though I will not draw it, or and I refuse to share it with others, as that would give him the power and control he desires. Oof. <laughs> as I reminded you last episode... I'll leave you um, to make your own opinion on what to believe based on your own belief systems. But that is definitely a freaky story. Definitely scary. Definitely do not envy the author in any way for that experience. <laughs> I'll take a shadow person for 500. <laughs> Aw, Alex Trebek. <laughs> too soon, too soon. All right, let's get right into our next story. This one comes to us from another listener. And it is called The Basement. I used to have a friend that I lived in the house. I used to have a friend that lived in the house directly behind the house I grew up in. That's a mouthful. We used to hop the fence to play at her house all the time. Her basement always freaked me out. For the longest time, I would not go down there, and she used to tease me about it all the time. I finally got tired of her teasing me, so I sucked it up and went down there. I was never comfortable any time we went down there. Don't know if anybody remembers the 90s game Ask Xandar. It was a game that had a wizard in what looked like a crystal ball. And you would ask it yes or no questions and wave your hand over him. And he would answer yes or no. We were playing this game one time 
while down there. And my friend poking fun at me asked it, Is there anyone else down here with us? He immediately answered yes. We looked up to see two shadows dart across the hallway leading to the stairs. She grabbed onto me and we booked it up the stairs. We told her grandma and her mom, and of course they didn't believe us. We didn't go down there for months. When we finally got up the nerve to go down there again, we decided to check out all the rooms that were in that hallway. We never go in those rooms. We'd never go in those rooms before. Because no matter if the lights were turned on, it was always so dark, like an eerie dark. So we went in armed with flashlights. We didn't see any shadow people this time, but the temperature dropped drastically while we were in there. I could feel the hair standing up on the back of my neck. We never went down there again until she moved out years later. I've heard things from numerous people that have lived there over the years about not feeling comfortable being in the basement. Ugh, freaky. Yeah, there's something about basements that are a little freaky. <sighs> I know several of my friends that I've gone in their basement. It just felt like I was being watched the whole time. I don't know if you guys have had that similar experience. But yeah, <laughs> always just like... I'm just getting the laundry. I'm just doing this. La -da -da. Don't let me see you. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. We have another story here called The Creepy House. I used to live with a friend and her husband and children for a bit. A few days after I moved in, she came to me and said, So... We didn't want to scare you off, but we just wanted you to know something. We're pretty sure there is something in this house. My husband's cousin actually does the whole ghost hunting thing. She's been here a few times and has found cold spots and gotten EMF readings, especially in the basement where your bedroom is. Please don't move out. <laughs> the author says, okay then. After about a week of me being there, it was just me, her, and another friend that was staying there. The door to the basement opened and closed about three times. She told me that was normal. After a few months, I realized that no matter the temperature in the rest of the house or outside, my room stayed freezing all the time, so I had to keep a space heater in there 24-7. One day, I had went out to the garage because I thought I had seen something. They didn't use the garage because it was old and part of it had collapsed and the roof was caved in. I stepped one foot inside and suddenly it was like there was 20 people talking at once, but I could not understand any of them. I brought it up to her and all she said was, yeah, we don't go out there. The one day that really freaked me out and eventually convinced me to move out was a day that it was just her and I there. We were upstairs watching a movie together. Out of nowhere, we heard a baby crying. She muted the TV and the crying didn't stop. We followed the sound to her bedroom to find the noise coming from an old baby monitor in her bedroom. All of her kids were at school. 
and the baby monitor was not plugged in and it didn't have any batteries but it was continuing to light up complete with the sound of a baby crying then over the monitor we could hear a lady shushing and trying to calm the baby my friend found the receiver piece to the monitor also without batteries or being plugged in there was a rocking chair in her room that began gently rocking back and forth we quickly left her room and would not go anywhere alone in the house for the rest of the day not even the bathroom i moved out about a week or so later they moved out not long after that uh -uh. <laughs> that is freaky i don't know um I don't know if I would agree to move in anywhere unless I had actually been there and checked out the vibe for myself. I'd hate to commit to somewhere and then it turns out to be haunted. Or at least it's haunted in my mind. <laughs> that is definitely freaky. Alright, our next story is called The Door. This was at a crazy active house that we lived at in all of our lives. So shadow people are a normal thing for certain members of our family. Oh, this is my sister's story. I have a brother who the veil seems to get thin when he is around. We could add enough other juicy things to truly set the scene for how active this house was. But I'll continue with just this one. So my siblings always made their way to my tiny bed when they were scared and I was close. But they would annoy me because probably by that time I had finished battling off my own scary things and finally went to sleep. And some of them, <laughs> mainly me she's talking about, always peed in the bed. When I started shutting my door at night because it just seemed to make things contained and the room across the hall where my brother slept sometimes was a hot spot for sure. And I didn't want to see inside that room. And I wanted to be alone this night. You know, hate your parents stuff, typical preteen, teenager stuff. I went to bed. I think I had been in trouble, so I was restless. Actually, I think I was probably 16 years old. I woke up to my voice door violently shaking like the door was locked but it was not locked i heard i heard noises that i cannot describe i just remember thinking they were really weird noises but the intensity in which whatever was trying to get in was scary the next day everyone swore they did not try to get in my room and I, that i was crazy to be fair they could be lying but it wasn't the first time my door would shake or move with no one around, and they would have been screaming if they were that scared trying to get in. Oof, that's a freaky story. Yeah, that house, I've already mentioned in episode two, that house was pretty active. <sighs> Man, we've started off with some really good stories tonight. Uh, thank you for submitting them. Don't forget to submit more to the Facebook group, Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz, uh, to send it anonymously or with your name, and I'll be sure to read it on the podcast. We'll take a short break.
Welcome back. I just want to point out that today is 11-11. Just like the synchronicity of seeing 11-11 on your time clock. Or 4-4-4, or 3-3-3, or 5-5-5. Have you ever seen those before? Just talking about synchronicity for a minute. As a side note. Synchronicity is defined as a simultaneous occurrence of events which appear significantly related but have no discernible causal connection. The law of synchronicity is with working with the law of attraction. The meaning is slightly different. Specifically, synchronicity signs are things that you see or experience that have a common meaning, helping to guide you towards a particular path. They're commonly thought to be signs from the universe that foster your personal development. All right. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Um, uh, there is synchronicity in spirituality. Synchronicities are incidences, incidents of spiritual significance that ask us to momentarily dampen our self-obsession and consider the possibility of the divine. Synchronistic experiences leave us with a curious sense that we should pay attention. So, let's say that you keep seeing 11.11 on the time clock. Like, you keep on looking at the clock and it's 11.11. Or you keep looking at it and it's 5.55. You know, stuff like that. Um, it's kind of like the crystal thing. Whether it's real or not is irrelevant. Uh... Anytime you see those, make sure that you're taking aside a, a chance to reflect on the current path that you're on. Every time that you see those coincidences or those synchronicities, um, make sure that you're taking the time to think about the path that you're currently on. And if this means maybe you're on the right path or... Maybe you should reassess, you know, your goals and stuff like that. Another synchronicity that you might experience is you think of your friend John, and then later that day you see John, and you haven't seen John in a while. Or you think of someone and they call. Stuff like that happens all the time. Um, that's another example of synchronicity. They didn't call you because you thought of them but you happen to think of them on the same day that they decided to call you. So just a cool little thing to think about. Synchronicity is pretty cool, and I could go on forever about it, but just want to give you a little teaser. Have a good 11-11. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, jumping right back in, we're going to talk about a haunting that's happened in Hebron, Kentucky. Uh, this article was written by Priam uh, Ketri on October 17th. 
no, on March 19th of this year. All right, let's begin. In one of the scariest investigations ever on haunting of the heartland, Steve Shippey confronts a very dangerous haunting at a home in Hebron, Kentucky. Allison Reeves, the resident of the home, is tormented by something inside her dwelling place and is so bad that she gets attacked on her stomach while talking to Steve in the basement. She claims to be aggravated and angry since she's been in the house, and more than that, she fears that she is obsessed with it even though it may be killing her. The city is named after the biblical city of Hebron and has a population of a couple thousand. Established in 1858 and built around a church, the small town is a tight-knit community where everyone knows everyone. This house in particular is right next to a church overlooking the cemetery. Allison said that she always heard about the house at the church and when it came up vacant during a house search, she took it. Allison was always attracted to the house as it reminded her of her own house that she grew up in. Although the previous residents of the house had fled during the night soon after moving into the home, no one could tell her what had caused it. So she decided that she'd take the offer. She and her boyfriend, Tony Reed, had even joked about not having any neighbors and enjoying the peace and quiet. But their experience has to live but their experience has to live in the house has been nothing short of a nightmare. That sentence didn't really make sense to me. But their experience has to live in the house has been nothing short of a nightmare. Okay. Keeping on moving. <laughs> a gruesome murder about the same thing. A man had bludgeoned his wife to death in the home before Allison moved into the house. A blacklight search lit up blood smears all over the home, from the curtains, carpets, to the stairs. The extraordinary amount of bloodstains highlights the gruesomeness of the murder. While Steve does not reveal the name of the couple involved, Bradley Fox, the local attorney he consults during the investigation, gives viewers a clue as to who they could be. Fox had presented an infamous case in Hebron that the killer, that of killer Daryl Atwood, who killed his wife Linda Atwood, in the front room of their home in 2010. He had bludgeoned her to death. They were said to have moved in from Boston and were said to be happy, which left everyone shocked. Haunting scratches and smoke. My stomach is on fire, says Allison in the middle of the investigation. A scratch shaped like an infinity symbol appears on her stomach while she's on camera talking to Shippy. The scratch looks fresh, as he notes. The skin is just starting to rise. Allison tells them that she's been scratched many times before. And at one time, while her friends were over, her forehead was cut open by thin air. She also tells them about the apparitions of two children playing near a tombstone, which she saw at the cemetery. 
that disappeared when she had turned around to talk to Tony about why people were letting their kids play in the graveyard at night. Once Allison ch was choked while she was asleep, it says it was it started as billowy smoke. A dark shadow would hover in the bedroom, she would tell Steve. Throughout the investigation, Allison had drastic personality shifts. She even claims that Steve is very aggressive and refers to her as we. Her voice and body language change and she gets aggravated, unlike the woman we see on the episode. Then she breaks down crying that she's so scared with a crazed look on her face. Steve finds out that the home has multiple deaths in the home spanning generations. And it wasn't just the woman. Footage from the investigation showed something, showed some startling revelations too. When dynamic filtration was applied to a mass in the footage, a red human-like face appeared. This is going to be one hell of a season, and Steve is just getting started. And then it says to catch Haunting in the Heartland every Friday at 10 on Travel Channel. Huh, that's pretty freaky. I don't like, uh, it definitely sounds like it's not a friendly haunting or residual haunting. Um, so definitely do not like that. And we will be right back. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk about the Axe Murder House. The, the Villasa Axe Murder House in Villasa, Iowa. Sorry if I'm destroying that name. Is well known is a well-known tourist attraction for ghost hunters and horror lovers alike. The site of a gruesome unsolved 1912 murder in which six children and two adults had their skulls completely crushed by an axe of an unknown perpetrator was purchased in 1994, restored to its 1912 condition, and converted into a tourist destination. It cost $428 a night to stay at the old haunted home where visitors always report strange paranormal experiences such as visions of a man with an axe roaming the halls, or the faint screams of children. All that said. But in November of 2014, the haunting took a darker turn. Robert Stephen Larson, Jr., age 37, of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, was a regular recreational paranormal was on a regular recreational paranormal visit with friends when true horror struck. Per Vice says his companions found him stabbed in the chest, an apparently self-inflicted wound, called 911, and Larson was brought to a nearby hospital before being helicoptered to Creighton, Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha. The Montgomery County Sheriff's Office said Larson suffered the self-inflicted injury at about 12.45 a.m., which is around the same time the 1912 axe murders in the house began. 
Larson recovered from his injuries, but had never spoke publicly about what occurred that day. For Martha Lynn, the owner of the home, the incident was very upsetting. It's publicity, but not exactly the kind of publicity you desire to have. I don't want people thinking that when they come to Villasa Axe Murder House, something's going to happen that's going to make them do something like that. The house remains open for tourist visits and overnight stays, even today. <laughs> that is creepy. That I've got to say, that is creepy. Um, so he was kind of compelled to do that at the same time that the original murders happened. Yeah. Nope, I would not. That is not on my to-do list to go visit that one. All right, let's talk about a story that happens in my hometown of Elizabethtown, Kentucky. It's called the Gates of Hell. The Gates of Hell is a nickname of the cemetery at the end of St. John's Road in Elizabethtown. The cemetery at the end of St. John's Road, known of Gate as Gates of Hell is said to be haunted, obviously. The important thing about this haunted place is that when traveling to the cemetery, one of the last buildings you see is Elizabethtown's other haunted place, Bethlehem Academy. No more than a couple of miles to the end of the road, we're surrounded by trees and overgrowth. The cemetery contains the graves of unknown people from the 17 and 1800s. The place, the place right outside the remains of the iron and stone gate is where people go to party away from town. Many years ago, while parked there at night, witnesses report they watched an enormous green orb suddenly suspend right above them. After a couple of long minutes, the orb shot straight up so fast that it was out of sight in a second. Others have claimed other phenomena while hanging out at the cemetery, such as hearing screams, seeing shadow people, pulling up their cars and then having electrical problems with their cars, getting them to crank again, and becoming so scared that many of them never return. We've also heard of stories of, uh, while looking at a tree, seeing someone that was hanged there, um, different things like that, um, reports that electronics malfunction in that area, um, so you're not supposed to turn your car off or you might be stuck <laughs> with the paranormal. Uh, people that take pictures or photographs when it does work, uh, they come out grainy and full of orbs, especially at night. Um, some people have claimed to hear, hear music playing. And then when they've taken pictures, they see, like, your picture is blurry, but it's in the shape of musical notes. It's kind of weird, kind of cool. Uh, I'll leave that one up for you guys to decide. Uh, like I said, it's from my hometown, but I do not intend to ever <laughs> visit that site. It's actually illegal. I think it's privately owned. And the neighbors will definitely call the cops if you go that way, so... <laughs> That being said, best to steer clear of that area. But 
I know a ton of people that have gone there and partied and gone there and gotten scared. So <laughs> do it at your own risk. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. All right, our next story comes from William Linwood Montell, who wrote the book Haunted Houses and Family Ghosts of Kentucky. Since I'm from Kentucky and you guys have asked for a bunch of Kentucky stories, I'm doing a lot of research into Kentucky stories. Um, if you have any other suggestions, please go ahead and put them on the Facebook page or message me. But this is one of my favorites that I've come across so far, so I want to share with you. It's called The Tan Man, and it comes from Pike County, Kentucky. These events occurred on, at Harmon's Branch, Pike County, Kentucky. Three houses were built on an old strip mine filled in back during the 1950s. Our family was the second family to live there as a whole until 1985. Our youngest son still lives there. He was the only one not affected or sensed what the rest of us saw and felt, with the exception of smelling the roses. Later in the 1980s, this hollow became more prominent. It was then that an FBI agent hid the body of, and the name is withheld, there after he killed her. He was the first FBI agent ever to be convicted with such a crime. Her body had decomposed to just bones when he confessed to the crime. I like to think our tan man, as we call him, has something else to work with. We never knew who the tan man was, but the Ouija board said he had been murdered by two men who were still alive and he would tell us after they had died, and he could rest in peace. We quit asking the board anything because the obscene language it began to spell out. I threw it away. I don't recall when the tan man's presence came. It was a gradual awareness, awareness by, by members of our family. Our oldest daughter would often tell us she didn't like to go into our bedroom or the hallway leading into it. Something eerie and strange about it. She had always been afraid of her own shadow, so we had never thought much of her remarks. We had a beagle dog named Sam. He was a grouchy, lazy sort of hound, made his rounds and slept a lot. One day he went nuts. He cried and he cowered and he shook and he moaned. The dog was terrified. We called the farm handyman, who was good with dogs. He thought Sam had gone mad and we tried to get ready to put him down we were all crying and trying to calm the dog and believe me it took hours thank goodness we didn't put him down he was just extremely scared but by what and this never happened again another event happened during a spring month as the years passed, we would notice April was a busy time for the tan man. Our eldest son had a souped-up car and had been to Bristol, Virginia, where he attended the auto races. It was 2.30, maybe 3 a.m. when he arrived home. As most mothers, I was still awake, but in bed, 
and had heard him open the door and start down the hall. He got he called out to me, Mother, then Mother, then Mother. By then he was fighting something, grunting and punching, all the while yelling, Mother! I jumped up and went to him. He was pale, scared silly, and shaking from head to foot. I took him to the kitchen to calm him down. He said that he saw a figure in the hall and thought it was me, thus the first mother. When he realized it wasn't me, but the outline of a man, he began to fight it. We sat up for an hour or longer talking it out. I told him that he was exhausted from the long trip and that his car exhaust system must be leaking fumes from his souped-up car into the car. This was actually my belief at the time. I don't know if I convinced him, but I was pleased that with my idea in my own mind. I began to notice really cool icy waft of air playing around my head and upper body as I would sit and read in the lounge chair. So did others. Sometimes it was so heavy, my newspaper would move on its own accord. This occurred regularly. I decided I just had a bad draft. I lit a candle and tried to track the draft down, but no luck. I moved the chair a few feet, but still had the icy draft. I accepted that I had a drafty spot in the house. Then things began to happen that made no sense at all. Many times, a smoke-like blob would appear in the hall. The odor of the roses filled the doorway between the living room and kitchen. This happened several times and did after I left the house. My son and daughter have both smelled them. The commode would fully flush and then the bathroom lights would turn on of their own accord. We checked the commode's innards, thinking it was leaking water, but all was fine. And the commode flushed just fine. The lights come on as many as five to six times in one evening. We'd get up, turn them off, and within a few minutes they were back on and the commode would flush again. I heard my daughter's flute coming from her room once. Only thing was, she wasn't in there. I accused her of going out the window, but she hadn't. Since we didn't want to appear to have lost our minds, we kept everything to ourselves. I had been raised in a funeral home that my parents owned. I was always taught there was no such thing as ghosts. Neither my husband nor I believed in such things. If a ghost was a ghost, wouldn't a funeral home be an ideal place to show up? I never heard or saw or felt a presence in my parents' funeral home. Within a few months of Tan Man's coming out, my neighbor Sue told me about some crazy things going on in her house. Her daughter's toy piano would play notes by itself. Her volume would go up and down on her television set. So would mine, plus my radio. She was ironing one day, and something kept punching her in the rear. She thought it was her daughter at first and fussed at her, told her to stop, and then the child walked in from another room, so it wasn't her. One night, while making a trip to the bathroom, Sue ran into the dark man. She said she went on to relieve herself and then called for her husband, and he saw him too. 
From that night on, they both went together to the bathroom until they moved out of the house. My youngest daughter had an old upright piano in her room. She told me many times she could hear a key hit, and it would not strike clear, but would go, hum, hum, hum. This daughter had a motorbike. She and a friend would ride around the Harmon branch, around Harmon's branch often. One day, they were riding and saw a man in tan clothing standing by a tree on the branch road. This was a small town, so it was very obvious when there were strangers. It startled them so much that they looked back, and he had disappeared. From that time on, when scary things happened, we knew it was the tan man. He was dressed in tan working clothes. He came and went. Sometimes he stayed for long spells. There were times when we had no sense of any presence. He seemed to like the spring months best, but I know now that he was just visiting around. The most scared I ever was with Tan Man was in bed. My husband and I had just begun to drift off when our, when our bed began to shake like someone was at the end of it pushing it back and forth. I called to my youngest son to quit and go back to bed and leave us alone, but he answered from his room. I've also seen lights on the wall spinning in a circle. I often prayed to the Lord when I got scared, and for some reason the happenings would cease. My husband literally saw the tan man. He also felt the tan man, who would wake him up by stroking his arm with an icy cold hand. Tan Man became part of our life. I would tell him to watch the house if I had to leave. Once I lost my keys to an outside shed and told him to find them. It didn't happen right away, but in two to three days, the keys were lying on the dryer. I lived there for 23 years, and my son still lives there alone. He is 31 now and is the only one in the, the, only one in the family who has no encounters with the Tan Man. However, he did have a friend up once who claimed that the tan man woke him up. It scared him so bad he hasn't been back. Our neighbor in the middle house also had a happening. She was tending to her baby in the kitchen when she heard the screen door open, heavy footsteps in her living room. She thought it was our other neighbor's son who is mentally challenged and very large coming in and she called to him. When he didn't answer, she looked for him, but no one was there. Later, she heard the footsteps again, and the door slammed. She ran to see, but no one was there again. She said she even had her screen locked. She admitted strange things happened, but would never talk about them in detail. She would just shake her head. They moved, shortly out. They moved out shortly after this never wanting to talk about the strange things that they were dealing with. Many, many uncanny things happened on this hilltop in Harmon's Branch. The only thing I can say is if these ghosts, if these are ghosts, they're good ones. I've felt Tan Man's presence many times, but I don't think his intent was ever bad. I never believed in ghosts, but I have lived with one for 23 years. When you witness and walk in my shoes and live in Hartman's branch where Tan Man lives, you'll believe something is going on. Oof. 
That is freaky. So I love stories about, you know, haunted houses and stuff like that. And especially whenever whatever it is that's doing the haunting is residual or is not, you know, evil intentioned, if you will. So I'm glad that that they were able to live with this entity for like 23 years and never caused them any problems. Again, you'll notice she did, uh, you know, start praying when she did get scared and stuff like that, and it would cease. So that has to be like a faith thing or a belief thing that gives it power <sighs> or whatever. Um, but yeah, this was that was a really cool story. Again, that's that's from uh, William Linwood Montel. He gathered a bunch of stories from families in Kentucky because um, it seems like all the stories and stuff like that are passed down generation to generation. And he says in his introduction and in, on the back of the book that these were written and the people that gave him these stories fully believed them. And it was up to you to decide what you believe. And I'm going to say the same thing to you, um, you know, based on what you believe you know, take the story as you will. Um, I think it's a really cool story, especially the part where he finds their keys. <laughs> um, I wouldn't appreciate the bed shaking thing. I used to have that happen in the middle of the night in my old bedroom sometimes in our really active house in Kentucky. Uh, my bed would shake and I would just wake my dog up if he wasn't already and go sleep on the couch. <laughs> because the couch didn't shake <laughs> or go get my sister's bed. <laughs> but I mean, what do you guys think? Those are some pretty scary stories. Um, that one had the potential to be a lot scarier. It's got a name, the tan man. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? Um, let's see how we're doing on time. Doing pretty good. All right, so before we go, I would like to uh, announce our giveaway that we're having on our Facebook page, Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz. Um, it is one Spooky Shiz t-shirt. They are black long sleeve shirts with gold uh, writing an image um, and all you have to do is go on the Facebook page um, request to join invite five spooky friends to join our group that you think will enjoy it and then comment on the picture of the t-shirt um, what spooky subject you want to hear more about or researched I'm gonna be picking a winner this Friday on Friday the 13th dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so that'll be really exciting Again, uh, the Facebook page is Paranormal Stories, and in parentheses is Spooky Shiz. Uh, please join us on there. Um, that's where I post a bunch of spooky memes, <laughs> a bunch of stories that our listeners have submitted. So if you'd rather not listen to the podcast, you can also go on there and read what's going on. So that's really exciting. Um, got a lot of positive feedback from the doll episode last week. Um, that one was really freaky to make. 
Um, so these stories were a lot more lighthearted than those creepy doll stories. So I'll I'll take a you know a shadow person or a ghost story or a haunted house <laughs> over those haunted dolls any day. So yeah, um, that's all I have for you guys today. Um, stay spooky. Bye.